welcome to the Oscars Death Race podcast, where we try to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies or die trying. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Can you hear that? Can you hear that, listener? It's the sound of victory. Yes, uh, for the fourth year in a row, I have completed the Oscars Death Race, uh, this time closing in with 11 minutes to spare, improved from last year's 7 minutes to spare. Uh, I'm recording this on Tuesday night after the 95th Oscars. Needed a bit of a day to decompress, you know, get my notes up for this uh, for this episode. Um, but man, it was a pretty good episode. You know, uh, could have done maybe a little bit better in the predictions contest. But overall, you know, I'm just happy to be uh, that I got through all the movies. You know, it was looking really tenuous uh, there for a little bit. But, uh, you know, as as we as I talked to you last week, you know, I came in with, you know, like 10 sorts and nine features I needed to finish over like three days. Somehow was able to pull it all together. And yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is obviously the last episode of this season. Um, you know, we're gonna, you know, do, do a little bit of a victory lap. So, you know, we're going to go through first the Boards, you know, all of the people who, according to OscarsDeathRace.com, have completed the death race. You know, celebrate everyone who's finished this race with it. It's not necessarily about where you finish, uh, but you know, just that you finished. Um, and then, you know, I'm going to go through then the uh, the uh, my kind of like la- the three days of my last la- last three days of my racing. Kind of go through all the films I watched and try to give a quick, very very quick review for all of those. And then we'll hop into the actual Oscars themselves. You know, first off, talk about each category. You know, I have the uh, predictions contest. Uh, and, you know, I'll announce the winner at the end. But we'll go category by category. You know, I'll give some stats on, you know, what won, what we what, what people predicted to win, what people wanted to win. And also just like the deathies, you know, who won for the deathies and so on. And any cool, you know, stats from uh, from, from the history that was made in this Oscars uh, ceremony. Um, yeah. And then we're going to go ahead and then wrap up with, you know, again, the winners of the contest um, as well as, uh, you know, talking about um, the deathies and then, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, some red carpet roster stuff and then uh, just kind of wrap up what's going to be going on in the season. So, you know, good bit to talk about. So let's go ahead and hop straight in, especially since the first thing to cover is, of course, everyone congratulating everyone who has completed the death race according to OscarsDeathRace.com, uh, hosted by our friend Ford versus Ferrari on Reddit. Um, so last episode um, that I did this list, there were 93 people uh, who had completed the race. Um, as of the end recording, uh, as of, you know, looking at the, the stats of, you know, anyone who completed it by, I'm putting uh, March 12th as the, you know, assuming you finished before the race, um, there are 220 people who have completed the race. So. You know, that's definitely, uh, that's over 100 names I'm going to need to read um, real quick. Um, Though I will say, you know, this is also an improvement from last year. Um, Last year, we had uh, 197 people completed. Um, I was 195 out of 197 to complete in time with seven minutes to spare. And in 2022, 2021, rather, we had uh, 114 people completed. I was uh, 103rd to finish. Um, uh, So, yeah, this is definitely just, you know, the fact that, you know, we went from, you know, 114 in 2021 to 197 last year and now up to 220. Um, Just death racing gets more and more popular each year, especially as I think, uh, you know, things get more available on streaming. But um, let's go ahead and congratulate everyone here. So, you know, again, everyone, if you finish 1-2-9, if you have already read your name in previous episodes. So congratulations to uh, Classman, uh, Melanie Cleary, Ryan Dunton, Greg, Peace and Associates, uh, Chiara51, Alfredo2, JP Hoff, Gapster73, Agar, uh, Agrajag, uh, Lindsay, MeowMix0457, El Robinero, Pochi, Macy Pugh, Edgar Marquesm, uh, Julian, Mike V01, uh, two Put bo- Bogey, uh, Alicia eighty five, uh, Daniel Daniel Neil ninety one, uh, Kella T, uh, Lobby Lordover, Anna Mathus, uh, Jay Johnson, Robbie Weavers, KSU Mute Movie Guy, Alan Gibson seventy one, Elliot F, Brock Stomp, Sam Tufts, Angel Smiley Face, uh, Professional. Uh, professional Yam six oh four, Jack J J Jack, uh, D D W O, Colg two three oh eight, Casey M Loving, Liam J, Magnus B two, George the Beast, Sergio, El Pollo Melancolico, uh, Great uh, 
G Pace 1216, uh, Fogart Belts, uh, Tamimbo, uh, Dog Tyler, uh, Golar Go, uh, Beto Arp, uh, Amaric, EVG, Ad Sauce, MJE Bond, Doug Orleans, uh, Barnum, uh, Baby Annette, uh, MKM 510, Banana Beanie, Iowa City Kyle, uh, Ryan underscore T, Matthew Level, AJ Bowser, Michael, Ponyo90, org.maxilore.arg, uh, Sar- uh, Sarah Emil, uh, Aldo Antsy, Everett23, Breedeck79, Tassos, uh, Farts Domino44, Codes, Lazy Lazarus76, Danny Bobani, uh, Jordan Thomas419, uh, Nirus uh, Ni- uh, Ni- Sunthar97, Bradsell, Clans, Scarsap, uh, Laris. Uh, Laricellas, um, Lucas24, Butts McGee, uh, C. Meika, uh, Pre Petra, uh, Lutkito Supreme, uh, Yaman's Dude, Red, I- um, Red I'm, um, Lies1205, Digapo, uh, who's Dakota uh, from, um, from, Red- from uh, Conversum Pod, uh, Jay Montoya, uh, Turtle Stampede, Drew P. Ween, Spire, That Mike Owen, Hensgirl1971, uh, E. Hammer05, The Arizon, Glorbus, uh, Little Lee Oscars, Morrison21, Supreme Burrito, 03%, Zozo Lari, Ford vs. Ferrari, the one who hosts this site, uh, finished at 197, uh, After Sun Broke me uh cal uh, tabello atem sim uh, ac1998 jb brando kieran the mighty poog ortega uh gaspazzo machine yvette1988 bell uh clarissa char legend burst carol mp Sulia ruin lauren q tom black myself at uh, rank 215 uh, quarantine critic um Cre- Creechel, uh, 1976 Paya V87, Heki uh, 42, and then Nicolab 200. Congratulations to everyone who finished the race before, uh, assuming you, fi- you, you finished on the 12th, finishing before the Oscars. Um, and of course, there are a couple other people also um, who finished after the race. Um, so, you know, uh, I think in total there are something like, you know, 890 people registered on the site. Um, so congratulations if you finished the race, even if you finished late a little bit. Um, you know, it's no it's no mean feat to finish the Oscars. Uh, so, yeah, again, uh, this is, you know, this is this is a pretty crazy accomplishment to see how much the community has grown. Um, but yeah, so let's go ahead and, the, you know, it's, it kind of feels like I'm reading off, you know, I wish it was, it was Patreon subscribers, but I don't have a Patreon set up. Anyway, um, let's go ahead and just hop straight into then. The next item is kind of my recap of the last three days of my race. So, like I mentioned, you know, last week I didn't really have, I, I kind of went into uh, last week, you know, uh, Monday, you know, I, I ended up watching the live action sorts in the IFC Center, uh, and then also the the Whale and, and um and living so that I could you know vote for those for the for the deathies. Um, but then you know I took you know Tuesday and Wednesday I ended up filming a lot of stuff for the deathies. And then on went on Thursday I was editing a lot of the stuff. Or Wednesday, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday I was uh, filming and editing a lot of the stuff. So you know putting the episode out on Friday that I had recorded with John from Red Carpet Rosters. I just hadn't really seen anything. So you know again ten short films and then uh, nine um, nine features I needed to finish. So uh, first off on Friday you know I ended up you know. All my stuff was already in. Just sat down, um, and most of the sorts were available online, um, or a couple that I had to ask a friend for a copy of. Um, so let's go to notice. First, I did the uh, live, the the animated sorts, just because you know I figured my my logic was you know I, I knew I had a lot of features to get through. Let's just get some motivation going by hey saying hey I finished two whole categories, right? So you know first off with animated sorts was the disorder category. Um, the bull, the, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse was the first one. Just you know more or less went alphabetical. Um, um, you know, and I think a lot of, you know, it, and, and spoiler, you know, you know, at this point it, it won the Oscar. And I will say, you know, the animation was pretty beautiful. That being said, I think, you know, it, it more or less was a bunch of empty platitudes, um, without any real plot behind them, uh, that, you know, I think, you know, is good for, you know, a little kid who needs to learn about affirmations and so on. But as far as like a sword, I mean, I don't think it really, it didn't really do too much to push the, the medium of animation forward, nor, uh, was it really that much of a compelling story. So, you know, I mean, if I had to give it a score, I'd give it a two out of five, just because you know I, there is some redeeming quality in the quality of animation, uh, but by far you know my least favorite of the animated sorts. 
Uh, next up, we had The Flying Sailor, um, which, you know, I think I want – at first, I, I initially, when I started watching, it was, um, you know, I think like a four out of five for me. But then it kind of got all weird and metaphysical, and it wasn't really that much – you know, it was very more artistic. It was more of, of a experimental – I think one of those more experimental Oscars was kind of experimenting with the animation style. But, you know, it, it has some cool visuals, and I think even even more cool, more interesting than Boy Will Hawk Fox Horse. It just ultimately lacked like a, a cohesive narrative behind it. Um, you know, it's apparently based on true events, but I didn't really try to examine anything. So overall, I give this one like a three out of five for being, you know, interesting enough. And also the fact that Borimo Fox Horse was just so like 40 minutes or something like that, um, whereas this one was like a breezy 15 or less, um, definitely made this one you know, easier to give it a higher rating. Um, then we have the Ice Merchants. So the Ice Merchants, uh, also on the New Yorker, like Flying, um, like flying Sailor, uh, was actually like really in it really I, I I was watching it and it it just hit it hit the combination of both being emotional, having like this super stylized and really perspective bending animation and also you know without any you know narration or 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 or, or like actual dialogue is able to convey the story through the animation and the and the and the and the images on screen alone um like and i think that's you know again the the, the best sorts are able to do that. i think this is one of the ones that accomplished better than anything i've ever seen in fact so much so that actually looking at my letterbox i have never given a five star to an animated sort to a sort period um you know on on letterbox and this is the first i've given a five to so props to the ice merchants for that um, you know, then I watched my year, the year of my year of dicks, um, which you know I think was a funny, was was funny and amusing, right? I think it obviously had a little bit more of a structure, being you know an actual story over time. I think kind of like the animation was done in a really fun way to kind of show the emotions of the main of the narrator and the character. Um, like a weird rotoscopy type way. I mean, the anime the anime sequence was really fun as well. So I think you know not quite up there with. My uh, with my with Ice Merchant, um, but I think it was entertaining enough and did enough with the animation to give it a four out of five for me. And then we got to my uh, an ostrich told me the world is fake, so and I think I believe it, which you know was the only stop motion of here. And you know me, I love stop motion. Um, and honestly, like thinking of the more I thought about it, like you know I wasn't sure like am I gonna give two five out of five stars for animated this year? And it, and it ended up being so. I mean, it had that we it had a combination of the weird meta. Uh, it, it, it the way that they framed not only did they have the stop motion like you know of the character but then they also framed it around the actual production of the stop motion and it kind of went into a fourth wall breaking you know existential crisis nature of it which was just like really fun and enjoyable um kind of like the whole living in a simulation situation um which you know just led me to give this one another five out of five so honestly again uh the the ratings for my animated sorts were a tie between ice merchants and ostrich told me the world is fake at five out of five five out of five followed by year of dicks uh four out of five then flying a sailor three out of five with boy mole fox and the horse at two out of five uh, then I moved on to the uh, to the documentary sorts. So first up was the Elephant Whispers, which I know a lot of people liked. And, you know, I mean, it's like a cute nature animal documentary, right? Which I think always a lot of people will end up liking. I will say I think it didn't really have the most cohesive of narrative, right? It was more or less, you know, one of those Instagram reels of you, you flip through and like, oh, my God, there are these cute animals, right? The cute, cute elephants and so on. And you know, I think it is a test. It's a testament to the people they profiled. You know, not, not taking away from that at all. I think the actual narrative of you know beyond the 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 obvious message of like oh we have to take care of animals or whatever, right? Is I think it, it just kind of lacked that. So I and then it, it it was kind of talking heady too a little bit. Obviously, the talking heads were the people actually featured. So I ended up giving this one a two out of five. Not the worst way to to spend some time, but it also was just much longer than it needed to be. I think for what this was. So this was on Netflix. Uh, next up then was another Netflix uh, documentary, The Martha Mitchell Effect, which, you know, it's kind of funny, right? And I think in the past couple of years, there have been a number of, uh, fil of films where Richard Nixon ended up being the bad guy in a way. Um, and this was another one to add to that, right? It, it, I, I really enjoyed it. This reminded me a lot kind of like Crip Camp to some degree um, without the talking. So it, it, it reminds me of like this real historical figure, right, um, who I didn't know very much about, was, but it was in some ways it looks like very actual critical to... Um, uh, an American, an untold story within American history that you know we just don't have enough time to really go over in in you know our high school classes and so on. So 
this was probably the film that actually taught me the most that I didn't know before, which is always great to see in a documentary film. I love the way that they, you know, they mostly did the interview through archival audio footage and archival news footage as well um, put together. So I really enjoyed, you know, kind of the way it was constructed as well. So overall, I gave this one like a three out of five. Uh, next up is Stranger at the Gate, which, you know, I know a lot of people probably didn't like this one as much. They call it you know, emotionally manipulative and so on, which, you know, in my mind, I think all films to some degree are emotionally manipulative. Some can just see it better than others. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know, there is, you know, whether or not you agree that, you know, someone who has been xenophobic or, or has hateful at one point in their life should get a chance at redemption and so on. Whatever your thoughts on that, I think this one was an effective one at the very least in presenting a story and a narrative and then kind of actually showing how the the character the character of this documentary you know the, the the individual in question ended up getting to where he was in the first like what led him to be where he was and then how he ended up changing over time um and it, it showed all the characters of, of the story right so i think it was done from narrative perspective probably the best you know uh visually wise you know i mean it's it's, it's mostly talking heads a little bit of some some map footage or so on so nothing too interesting in that regard but i think it's more so the 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 the, the characters i think behind it are very interesting on the flip side, right, we have uh, ho- and I gave, so I gave that one a three out of five. On the flip side, we have Hall Out, uh, which is essentially a story about a, bio, uh, a marine biologist who studies, you know, this phenomenon of walruses coming to the to this land during the summer and how this and one particularly due to climate change, there's just so many walruses and how it kind of devastates the population. Um, you know, I mean, there's not much dialogue in here. It's just more or less just watching this guy as who's a hermit, more or less, in this far far northern part of the planet just kind of like facing coming face to face with this glut of, of walruses right um, and you know in, on, uh, this is kind of the complete opposite where I think the real power in this is these um, is, is it's kind of opposite opposite of like elephant whispers in the way also where it's like it's sowing the animals right but there is like a story behind it without anything needing to be said right so I think being able to be so minimalist and just have like be with just purely footage and do- and just the purest form of documentary just documenting what's happening going on in the moment without adding any commentary letting the viewer come to their own conclusion I gave this one a three out of five as well. Um, and then finally, friend of the Academy of Death Rates was Jay Rosenblatt is back with another documentary called uh, How Do You Measure a Year, which is basically a bunch of home footage that he took of asking his uh, daughter from ages 2 through uh, 18 the same question, uh, same couple of questions uh, year after year and then just splicing them together. I mean, you know, if we're, if we're sending for home footage uh, to, for consideration at the Oscars, I definitely have some stuff to put in there. Um, so, yeah, this was definitely like a, a one out of five and probably, my, honestly, my least favorite uh, thing to watch the entire uh, – yeah, I, it was actually the least favorite thing to watch the entire uh, season, even more so than Tell It Like a Woman, which we'll get to in a little bit. So uh, at, the end of, at the end of Friday, you know, I'd seen uh, all of the sorts, um, you know, ended up with, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and again, for the, for the live action sorts, li- documentary sorts, I would say, you know, a much weaker category, I think, than animated sorts. I would probably say Martha Mitchell would have been my pick uh, for who I wanted to win, though Hall is obviously a worthy contender as well. Um, but yeah. So then I started, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and, and start Blonde. And I ended up not actually starting Blonde. Or I think maybe maybe got like, maybe like 30 minutes into it or so on. But, you know, uh, Blonde was just like, I, I, I could not with Do- Andrew Dominic's mixed use of different frame rates going back and forth between black and white and so on. Um, and just like the uncomfortable kind of like misery porn almost um, of it. So I ended up just watching this on 1.5x speed on my phone more or less. So I watched like maybe 30 minutes of it before going to sleep. Um, woke up on Saturday um, and, you know, just ended up just, just kind of chilling and, and watching it on my phone at 1.5x speed as well. Um, not too much to say. I mean, Anna de Armas for as Marilyn, I will say, you know, I, I would say this one probably should have deserved a makeup and hairstyling um, nomination as well, um, just because of what, what they do to actually get Anna de Armas to look like Marilyn. And you could also see Anna de Armas lose herself. Like, you know, you could, you could, you could, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't know better, could have been presented this footage and, and be convinced it was actually Marilyn to some degree. So um, I would give, you know, Anna de Armas, I think she probably deserved her, her nomination. Um, whether it was over Till or, or Woman or Woman King, I can't really say. Um, but, you know, it, I, I, it was definitely up there, I think. It was an Oscar-worthy nomination. Uh, nomination-worthy performance, I think. Um, so, you know, overall gave Blonde 2 out of 5, if only because there was at least that redeeming quality to it. It was just also really, really long. Um, yeah. 
Um, then uh, we and then um, so my wife was out, right? Um, so uh, I think so. She was at the brunch, so I ended up going to watch then EO because um, I know she wouldn't be able to deal with watching a, a sad story about a donkey going through life. Um, and you know, this one was kind of similar in a way to haul out. To haul out is is it feels like it's documenting kind of like the life of this donkey going through you know the ups and downs of of of, of interacting with people, mostly the downs. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, and I did get a little bit lost toward the end. I wanted to like this, I think, a little bit more because it had been so highly praised. Um, I think the score and the cinematography, like a lot of people said, have been really good, especially the cinematography. It really put you in the mindset and from the perspective of the donkey, I think, um, which is really hard to do. So I think, you know, you know narrative-wise, it kind of lost me in toward the, the latter end of it, uh, but I still still appreciate it and the message it was trying to tell. So I gave EO three out of five probably, um, and then uh, and then I ended up watching Close, um, you know, renting it on on Amazon I think. Um, and this one was, you know, I I will say like for international films, I really like it when a film is able to put you into what it's like living in that or getting a perspective of the culture of that country. Um, that it's coming from, right? Because that's part of what it is, right? It's, it's seeing the perspective, this perspective that is unique to this country that you know you wouldn't get from Hollywood, so to speak, right? And close, well, obviously a very well done movie, right? It it tackles this question of toxic masculinity, uh, male friendship, and so on, and you know grieving and and how you process all that. I think on that level alone, it's probably like a four out of five for me. Um, I just don't know if it was the best presentation of what. A country is like, and the and, and the film perspective from a country that makes it unique. You know, this feels like it was it. It's just some generic, you know, European art house film that just happens to be attached to to, to Belgium, right? Um, Eo similarly, I mean, you get a little bit more of a sense of that because you do get a sense of like what life in Poland is like, like the soccer matches and the circuses and all that, right? Um, you do get a little bit of a sense of that, but uh, um, you know, close not so much. So overall, far the five for close. Um, close came up, you know, I ended up finishing close maybe like five o'clock or so, um, ended up needing to walk the dog. So I ended up, uh, then coming back to my desk, um, and then watching, uh, to Leslie on one monitor and then the deathies on the other monitor. So I was going back and forth. Um, you know, I had the subtitles on for to Leslie, um, but you know, I was, you know, muting and unmuting things as necessary, right? Like, um, you know, I, I, I just because I needed to if if I had waited to after the death to watch two Leslie I would not have finished the race um, so I needed to do them simultaneously um, you know so I'll, I'll talk about the deathies later but for, as far as two Leslie I mean yeah this was this was not I mean it was a fine movie I don't and and Andrea Weisberg I will say is a good performance I just don't think it it was a very compared to other Oscar nominated performances just very one of the mill. Like, you know, the story is it honestly, I preferred Mila Kunis in Four Good Days as a portrayal of addiction more so than this one. Right. And and more so than than here, um, which is not, I think, a great, a great, uh, a great endorsement of this film. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. I don't think there's too much here to really... I mean, it's not the worst film in the world, right? But it's also definitely... It definitely, I don't think, was worth, worth a nomination, frankly speaking. Um, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. So I, I ended up giving 2 Leslie a 2 out of 5. Um, yeah, it also took a lot longer just because I was going back and forth with the deathies. Uh, so then to wrap up my night, uh, I went back uh, to the couch and watched uh, Argentina 1985 on Amazon Prime. And honestly, this ended up being, my I think, my favorite film in the international film category uh, since The Season to Leave was, was not nominated. Um, I mean, yeah, this one, I, maybe I'm just a sucker for courtroom dramas, but this one just had everything. And maybe, you know, I see a lot of parallels between... Uh, maybe what I wish would happen in the Philippines um, with, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, a civilian court, you know, trying and finding guilty the uh, former, you know, regime of a, of a military dictatorship or whatever, um, you know, similar to what I wish would have happened instead of what we actually got in the Philippines. That's a story for another day. Um, but I mean, you know, the, the courtroom tension and, and seeing how it all played out, um, you know, I learned, again, similar to Martha Mitchell effect, I learned a lot about something that actually happened in history, how it affects um, the uh, how it affects life in in Argentina, or at least it did at the time, and then also right, what lessons you can take from that, and how you can apply it to what's happening today. Right, I think there's a lot you can probably take away from that. So I was just stunned by this one. You know, I mean, 
is is it the best international film I've ever seen? No, but it's, it's one I think honestly that I think was just the most well executed, one of the most well executed. Rather, I I will say the technical elements probably of All Quiet on the Western Front was better, but as far as like a screenplay as a, as a story, um, Argentina nine eighty five has my endorsement. So gave that one a four out of five. All right, so then we come to Sunday. So I wake up on Sunday, um, you know, again, still in bed. Uh, I end up watching The Sea Beast, um, you know, between walking the dog and, uh, and, 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 and waiting for the dog to wake up. So I ended up watching The Sea Beast, and, you know, it was better than expected, right? I mean, I think the part that stands out to me most is there is this early sequence on when they're fighting the first sea monster that they're coming up against. And they end this is amazing animation sequence of like the main of one of the characters just like hopping and diving from mass to the sip to plank to a monster and swinging the sword and whatnot and making the scene like one smooth fluid thing that really stood out to me. Um, honestly, I think you know, obviously, there's a lot here that's kind of like cribbed off of a you know, how to train your dragons. Um, from monster designs is a story of like, oh, these are misunderstood people, we're not actually, we shouldn't be fighting them. It's kind of like perpetualized, and no one knows who actually you know, started the war first. Um, and it goes a little bit more into like the anti-war, you know, alleg- uh, allegory, so to speak. I will say from a, and, and, and there, again, there are animation, animation elements of this that are really good. Um, I will say the monster design, especially of the titular sea beast, the red one, um, was very lacking. It was very plain. Um, I mean, there was just the texture just felt really plain. There were the, really no defining features of it or anything. It just felt very much just there, right? There, there wasn't anything to make. Why is this the one that everyone is freaking out about, right? Um, and then the other part, I think, was that, you know, the broader world, if you compare it to, like, How to Train Your Dragon, sir, it goes into the allegory a little bit more, but the world of How to Train Your Dragon is just so much more developed. Like, you have this idea of this whole civilization, which at this, it, for sea base, you just basically get, like, like the one like castle and you get the one ship and that's more or less it basically right you don't really get much more else than that um how to train you can get like the whole village and the it feels much more lived in um and then the other part is that toward the end like how they resolve it all i mean it leaves dangling a couple of threads of of some character plot points so not only sure where the where some characters ended up which you know i thought was a little bit of a missed opportunity there so um cbs i mean was decent enough right i wouldn't have watched it if not for this um but i wouldn't say it was a complete waste of time so i will give this one like a three out of five uh, and then we watched the next and then we moved to the last animated film i needed to watch which is puss in boots the last witch now i had not seen the first puss in boots movie but watching this one makes me really want to watch it so puss in boots the last witch i mean i just straight up gave it a five out of five just a return to the shrek franchise is always great the dreamworks has that polish to it as ever um antony Manderos is great as ever salma hayek who apparently appeared in the last puss in boots movie was really great um you know goldie and the three bears jack horner um you know, all of these little like the the irreverent humor of of the Shrek franchise I think uh, came into play here but also like a real good message about you know how to embrace life how to face death how to deal with panic attacks how to find the family I mean it, it's kid it's it is kid stuff frankly um, but also in, in a very mature way which I really appreciate and then the animation I mean it wasn't throughout the entire film but especially during the action sequence it, it kind of shifted into a Marshall um, Mitchell's versus the machines slash into the spider-verse style of animation which just looked really stunning and gorgeous and I really appreciated that um, so I will yeah I'm going to give Puss in Boots a 5 out of 5 honestly which is you know looking at the animated film category there were 3 5 out of 5 films if Marcel the Selwood Susan Pinocchio and Puss in Boots any of those could have won I would have been happy um, so you know this is a you know animation is on the uptick uh, so yeah, so then go, so then you know uh, ended up you know taking a little bit of break for lunch, uh, and then we ended up uh, going to hopping into the Quiet Girl. This one I had to get from a friend because originally I was going to go see this one in theaters, but then I realized the time I would spend traveling back and forth to AMC um, was uh, going to make it that I might not finish the Death Face in time. So I needed to watch the Quiet Girl uh, at home. And luckily, someone hooked, hooked me up. And, you know, this was, again, not to not to put a two-vada point of it, a very quiet film. Um, I, you know, I, I it's cool that this is the first... I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate this got nominated because, you know, this is the first Irish-language film to be nominated, which I think is really cool. The story is very kind of like, you know, kind of very simple. It, it's super simple, in fact, almost insultingly so to some degree. Um and but you do get a sense of I think what life in rural Ireland is like, which I appreciate. Um and, you know, I think, you know, it wasn't it didn't blow me away by any means. Um but I, I really it was 
I would I I can't say it's it's not bad, right? I can't say it's the greatest film there, but I think it was enjoyable enough, right? And there was something there, um, though I think it maybe could have been a little bit more fleshed out to some degree. I don't know. Maybe that's just I don't really have the words for, to describe what I'm trying to get at for the Quiet Girl. Um, but yeah, my head, it leaves me speechless to describe it, which is kind of ironic. So I mean, I gave Quiet Girl a three out of five. It was a fine enough film. Um, you know, not I don't regret seeing it at all. Uh, and then we come up to the finale, which is Tell It Like a Woman. So Tell It Like a Woman, as you know, probably know, is seven uh, seven segments directed in an anthology format, directed by women around the world with a song by Diane Warren. Um, so, you know, uh, let's go by each segment piece by piece. First segment about, you know, um, you know a real life, uh, based on a true story of a woman who, um, you know, got out of jail, beat addiction, mental health, and, and ended up becoming an advocate for those in jail. Um, and kind of deals from the perspective of her dealing with her inner demons. Um, it just felt very overacted, I think. I don't know. Um, the, the direction was not very good there. So I gave this one like a one out of five. Um, next up was this one about, uh, you know, in COVID, you know, this doctor who helps people with, you know, mental illness and, and uh, who are homeless in LA, you know, with, the, with their um, care. And she is helping her, this one particular person at these hotels um, that have been kind of converted to homeless shelters. Um, again, based, and then, again, based on the true story. Great real story. I think the film itself, I, I don't really know what it was trying to say. Um, so again, give this one a one out of five. Um, then we get to um, one that is a story about, you know, a career woman starring Eva Longoria, um, starring a career woman who goes to Italy and ends up kind of almost being pressured into adopting uh, her niece, basically, because her mentally ill sister uh, has passed away, basically, right? And it's kind of her coming to grips with that. Um, which I thought was like a nice story. So I gave, it actually wasn't that poorly done. I gave this one a three out of five. And then probably the best sort was, uh, I think, A Week in Life, which is, is what it was called, uh, directed by um, a Japanese director uh, starring Anne Watanabe, daughter of legendary film actor Ken Watanabe, um, who basically portrays a single mother working and living in Japan while uh, in Tokyo while raising her kids, basically. And it, it just, you know, it's, it's kind of, if you watch anime, very much in the slice of life genre. Um, it doesn't help hurt that it, it reminds me a lot. It, it has that Japanese style of aesthetic to it of really focusing on the small things um in detail to kind of paint paint a broader picture of this person's life and get you a sense of who they are i think that's what i appreciate here it doesn't hurt it reminds me of this youtube channel i follow called they uh paulo in tokyo where he has this series called day in the life of blank it basically is like a day in the life of a single japanese mother um right you can probably imagine this and yeah i think this that that aesthetic of like really paying attention to these details and then also having it tell this broader story of what it of of you know about motherhood of single motherhood and a single working motherhood i think that comes together really nicely um yeah this was my favorite sort by far um Honestly, it, it seriously tempted me to give this tell like a woman like a two out of five just because just for this film alone. Anyway, the last three sorts, uh, fifth fifth sort was one about uh, a vet who um, you know who works the night shift and forgot her daughter's you know ice skating thing or other ends up you know staying late uh, and helps a woman who who came came to the clinic to um, to essentially escape her abused boyfriend um, by faking an injury on her pet, um, apparently based on the true story. Um, and then there's another story about. I don't really get it. I think it's from India, which I believe is about a. I I don't even I couldn't even really follow the story. It was I think it was about like a beautician or something and kind of like fear of I think trans women. Um, this is the segment, by the way, where Diane Warren's song "Applause" ended up playing. Um, yeah, this one I could not follow at all, so that was a one out of five. And then oh, the 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 vet segment I gave a two out of five because there was a story, but also just felt very very kind of like by the books almost. Um, and the last segment was this very bizarre animated segment about, I think something about breaking gender norms or something like that, or breaking, f I, I don't know. Um, the, 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 the animation was very, um, was a very uh, 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 uncanny valley. So um, one out of five. So overall, these ended up being, uh, these seven segments ended up averaging out to 1.85, which you could give it, you know, a two, I guess, if you wanted to round up. But in my head, you know, if it had somehow crossed into an average of two, I would have given it at least two. I would have given it a two, but it did not. So I gave, I'm giving it a one out of five. 
So that's Tell Like a Woman. And like I said, I finished this with seven with eleven minutes to spare. I actually had a bet uh, with with former guest on the show, Whitney Joe, um, about whether or not I would beat last year's record by you know would I would I basically have beat by more or less than seven minutes, um, you know, finish the race. And I ended up you know beating seven minutes. So he owes me a film to watch. I ended up having him watch the anime film Redline. We'll see how he what he thinks about it in the end. But yeah, so that was my death race, finished with 11 minutes to spare. Um, so yeah, let's get into the actual Oscars themselves. We'll go category by category, not necessarily in the order that they were presented, more so uh, in the order that I had them in my Oscars prediction contest. So like I said, we'll go over, first off, uh, who won the category, um, and then we'll also go over uh, what people predicted, um, what people wanted, and then also the Death East results, and then any fun stats. So first up, Best Picture, um, of course, went to Everything Everywhere All at Once, if you haven't heard by now. Um, you know, there were 70, I believe 71 people who entered the contest. Um, in, in my spreadsheet, I actually had a row for Gold Derby to compare to. Um, and so that, that I might reference 72 at some points. So that's what that is. But 71 uh, people entered the contest. Um, I'll also mention what I kind of... Put, had predicted as well. So for everything, so for best picture, 67 out of 71 people had predicted everything everywhere. Um, two actually predicted All Quiet, two Bansies, and then one Fablements. Um, meanwhile, only 36 people actually wanted everything everywhere to win. 13 people wanted to go to the Bansies, nine for Tar, four for Top Gun, and then actually two each for Fablements, Triangle Woman, Woman Talking, and then one each for All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, and Elvis, interestingly enough. Um, for the Deathies, um, you know, this actually went to everything everywhere on a single vote. Uh, so we kind of reveal the results of the um, of the of, um, preferential ballot, and I believe everything everywhere got over fifty percent in the first round, which I think kind of is indicated here. You know, thirty six out of seventy one. Um, and so we want both the uh, best picture as well as the favorite film for the Death Ace. Um, for me personally, again, if it wasn't clear from what, listening to previous episodes, I both predicted and also wanted everything everywhere to end up uh, winning this award. Um, and Gold Derby also had predicted everything everywhere would win here. I'll also, some of the, the fun uh, stat-breaking stats that Everything Everywhere did just kind of over the entire Oscars at the end of this. Uh, moving to Best Actor, we had Brendan Fraser winning. Um, 37 people predicted Brendan Fraser. Very close second behind was 31 people predicting Austin Butler. Um, three people predicted uh, Colin Farrell and one for Paul Mescal. Um, meanwhile, uh, the most popular that people wanted to win was actually Colin Farrell at 25. Um, 21 people wanted Brendan Fraser, and then 16, myself included, wanted Paul Mescal. Um, five people wanted uh, Austin Butler, uh, and then three people wanted Bill Nye. Um, the death we we voted for uh, Brendan Fazer. Uh, so this actually fun stat beats the streak, the streak since 2010 uh, of the best actor being in the best picture nominated film, um, which I think was a lot of the reasons some people were predicting Butlers as strongly as they did. So you know, congratulations to Brendan Fraser for making that stat. Um, again, I predicted Fraser uh, and wanted Mescal. Meanwhile, Gold Derby predicted Austin Butler. Another reason I think people were going for him. Uh, for Best Actress, we had Michelle Yeoh, uh, Queen. Uh, 51 people predicted Michelle Yeoh, and then 20 predicted Kate Blanchett, with one predicting Michelle Williams, of all people. Um, meanwhile, 34 people, myself included, wanted Michelle Yeoh to win, uh, and then 32 wanted Tar. So very, Kate Blanchett, so very, very close um, in terms of what people said they wanted and uh, between the two. Between the two. Um, three people wanted Blonde, uh, added the Armas to win, and one person wanted uh, um, Michelle Williams. For the Deathies, we went uh, with Michelle Yeoh, um, I believe, um, and then fun, and then congrats, you know, she made history, first Asian actress winner for uh, Best Actress, uh, also the only the second woman of color to win uh, behind Halle Berry, um, yes, he was obviously was my prediction and my want and also Gold Derby's prediction. Uh, for supporting actor, I mean, Kei Hui Kwan, 67 out of 71, thought it was going to him. Somehow three people thought it was going to Brendan Gleeson to the, to the Barry Keegan. Meanwhile, 40 people wanted uh, Kei Hui Kwan to win. Um, 17 wanted Keegan, 8 wanted Brian Tyree Henry, and 5 wanted Brendan Gleeson. No love for Judd Hurst here. Um, the Deathies went with Kei Hui Kwan. I went with Kei Hui Kwan. Gold Derby went with Kei Hui Kwan. So yeah, this was, a, this was one of the more locked categories in terms of predictions, consensus-wise. 
on the other hand, supporting actors was really a toss-up, right? So, you know, it ended up going to Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Which uh, actually was not even the second most predicted. The most predicted winner was actually uh, Carrie Condon at 28 votes. Um, Angela Bassett was close behind at 25 votes. And then Jamie Lee Curtis was third with 14 votes. Um, three people voted for Stephanie Sue to win, and then two voted for Hong Chao. Uh, meanwhile, the actual winners... Um, People who what people wanted to win was twenty eight for Condon, um, same as people who predicted her to win. Twenty people wanted uh, Stephanie Su to win. Ten wanted Hong Chao. Seven wanted uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and five wanted Angela Bassett. Uh, the deathies went with uh, Stephanie Su, um, and, and you know personally, I wanted Su to win. Um, that said, I thought actually Angela, Angela Bassett would get it because I thought they would end up giving it to her to recognize it with the Marvel films. But I guess the everything everywhere uh, train power was too strong. Um, you know, Gold Derby had Harry Condon as well. Um, you know, this is uh, also a, a streak breaker. Since 2014, um, the supporting actress uh, winner has been the only winner in their particular film. For example, um, uh, uh, Minari, you know, um, only won for supporting actress here, um, when, when it won uh, for, for Yeo Jung Yoon. So, you know, I mean, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis breaks that streak with the rest of the Everything Everywhere uh, staff uh, uh, crew here. Speaking of, uh, moving to the directors, the Daniels ended up winning. 60 people predicted the Daniels would win after the DGA win. 10 thought it would still go to Spielberg's. 2 thought it would go to, to Todd Field. Meanwhile, 35 wanted to go to the Daniels. 19 wanted to go to the Tar. And then 8 each them wanted McDonough or Spielberg. Um, the Death East predicted the Daniels, and I both uh, predicted and wanted the Daniels. And I believe also the Gold Derby had the Daniels as well. Moving to original screenplay, everything everywhere actually pulled out the win here. 52, uh, and you know, the majority thought it would. 52 predicted it would. 18 thought it would go to the Banshees to the Tar. Um, though that said, it was actually much closer, right? So even though 52 predicted it would go to everything everywhere, it was actually 27 each. It was dead tied um, for what people wanted to win. Um, 27 each for everything everywhere and Banshees. 12 for Tar, 3 for Triangles, 1 for Fablements. The Death East one went everything everywhere. I personally wanted everything everywhere, but I thought you know, that Banshees would get something in the night, uh, and I thought this would be the, the best place for it to get it, so I thought it would go to Banshees. Clearly, ended up being wrong. Uh, Gold Derby was correct here with uh, everything everywhere getting the win from then. Uh, for adapted screenplay, um, Wu and Talkin came in first in terms of predictions, 47, um, and ended up winning, of course, in the end. All Quiet had 19 predictions, Top Gun had 5, and Living had 1. Uh, meanwhile, in terms of what people wanted to win, Woman Talking was still first with 32, though less. Um, All Quiet had 15, but we had more people, you know, no one thought Glass Onion was going to win, but 10 people, including myself, wanted it to win. Um, Living uh, had 8, and then Top Gun had 5. Um, Deathies, Woman Talk, uh, Deathies, myself, and Goldorby all predicted Woman Talking. Uh, that's it's for the above the line categories. Moving then to animated, Pinocchio was again one of the more locked categories. Sixty nine people out of seventy one thought it would go, or seventy two rather, thought it would go to uh, Pinocchio. Only two, the Marcel, one the Puss in Boots. Um, however, that said, it was much closer in terms of what people actually wanted. Twenty six wanted for Pinocchio and Marcel eats. Nine for Puss in Boots, six for Turning Red, and two for Sea Beast. Which actually, looking back, is kind of interesting. No one thought that a Turning Red had a thought at all. Um, but yeah, so you know. Pinocchio and Marcel very much up in the air. Like I mentioned, three out of three, five out of five films for me. Anyone could have won for me. Um, Death Eats one with Marcel de Souzon, actually, kind of a testament to this. Um, that said, you know, Guillermo del Toro ended up winning Pinocchio, which uh, Gold Derby myself predicted. Um, and, you know, act, honestly, Guillermo, it, fun stuff for Guillermo del Toro, he is the first person to win both all three of Best Picture, Director, and Animated Film. So congrats to him. Um, and then we come up to every uh, to international. So all quiet on the Western Front. Um, this was actually the most locked category in terms of predictions. It's the only category that had a unanimous prediction. Um, all seventy one uh, or seventy two of you include Gold Derby. All, every single person predicted in, um, all quiet would win here, hundred um, percent. That's it. You know, definitely was not the case in terms of uh, who we wanted to win. Twenty one people said that they wanted all quiet to win. Fourteen for close. Thirteen for EO. Eleven for Argentina. And ten for Quiet Girl. Um, for the death. This was the first ever. We actually had the tie between All Quiet and Close. Um, meanwhile, I personally predicted All Quiet as the Gold Derby, but I wanted—I personally wanted Argentina to win here. Uh, moving to documentary, um, we had Navalny at 58 people predicting to win. Um, six, six for Beauty and the Blood said, five for Fire and Love, two for All That Breeds, and one for Splinters. Um, Navalny ended up winning here. That said, um, in terms of what people what people wanted to win, the most people wanted to win was Beauty and the Blood said at 24. 
Five Love came in second with 18, Navalny at 12, uh, All That Breeds, myself included, had at 8, and then House of Splinters at 7. Um, at the for the Deathies, you know, we actually went with All the Beauty and the Bloodshed for the final winner here. Um, I personally put it in Navalny and wanted All That Breeds, and Golden we put it in Navalny. Navalny. Uh, moving to the technical awards cinematography, All Quiet ended up getting the win here. Now, you know, this is one where, um, you know, a lot, uh, some people, including myself, thought that Elvis might be able to sneak in the win. My logic here was that, um, uh, you know, Mandy Walker was, you know, obviously, you know, All Quiet had won on the British Awards and the BAFTAs. At the same time, Elvis had won on the American cinematographer, so maybe it might be like an American British thing. Um, and it'd be nice for them to recognize a female cinematographer. That said, you know, 60 people thought All Quiet would win and they were correct. I was one of the eight, you know, eight Elvis people who thought that it would win. Though two people thought Tar would win and one each for Bardo and Empire of Light. Uh, anyway, the one people most wanted to win, actually, was Tar at 25, followed by 20 for All Quiet, 19 for Bardo, uh, and then three each, and three for Elvis and two for Empire. Um, the Death Eats went with All Quiet. I predicted Elvis, like I mentioned, and I personally wanted Bardo to win, actually. Um, and yeah, Gold Derby had All Quiet as well. Um, Editing-wise, you know, um, and then this is another big surprise, uh, at least for me. Um, I, I, a lot of people, uh, but I guess not to everyone else, everyone else wanted, uh, you know, 55 people wanted everything everywhere to win. Um, 14 thought Top Gun would win, and then 2 thought Tower would win, 1 thought Elvis would win. Um, it ended up being Everything Everywhere, which, you know, 51 people wanted, and uh, 9 each wanted for Tower and Top Gun, and 1 for Elvis. Um, the Death Eats wanted Everything Everywhere. I wanted Everything Everywhere. You know, Gold Derby thought Everything Everywhere was. I thought Top Gun would win because, as I mentioned multiple times on the past, there has been a streak where the film that wins sound also wins editing, um, or vice versa. So, you know, this actually is a streak that's been going by not all the time, but since 2013, it's been a streak. And so it's finally been broken here. Um, in fact, it's actually also broken the streak that the editing winner has been nominated for sound since 2007. Um, so even before they started splitting it off into the uh, into the joint, um, into the separate categories. So um, yeah, this is a, this is a big, the big statistic that's been broken with everything everywhere, um, you know, which you know, well deserved. You know, I definitely thought that, that that was a big part of why the film worked. Um, but you know, I thought I, I definitely stuck with the stats a little bit too strongly on this one. So um, you know, it, it, it's a stat that's fallen, which is you know, congratulations to everyone, everything everywhere for doing that. And we got the two technical awards, which I think confounded a lot of people. Um, so first off, we have uh, production. Um, so production uh, ended up going to All Quiet, um, you know, which no one will, not a lot of people predicted. Um, 48, 48 people thought Babylon, um, 9 thought Avatar, 8 for All Quiet, 5 for Elvis, 2 for Fablements. The Death Eats one with Babylon, I predicted and I wanted Babylon. Gold Derby thought it would go to Babylon, but no, it went to All Quiet. Um, you know, Babylon, in terms of want, it was pretty much very similar. You know, 45 for Babylon, 8 for All Quiet, 7 for Avatar, 6 for Elvis, 3 for Fableman. So this was a big surprise for All Quiet to actually pull this one out, I think. Uh, one, of the big, one of the few surprises of the night. Um... Moving to costume, we have Black Panther. Again, I think another relative surprise. Um, 45 people thought Elvis would get it. Um, 14 only, only 14 thought Black Panther. Eight for Everything Everywhere. Three for Babylon. Two for Mrs. Harris. Um, in terms of what people wanted, uh, 23 for Deathy. 23 for Everything Everywhere. 16 for Babylon. 13 for Black Panther. Nine for Mrs. Harris. Eight for Elvis. Um, Deathies, you know, we went with Everything Everywhere. Um, Gold Derby thought it was going to be Elvis. I thought it would be Elvis. I personally wanted Mrs. Harris. Um, but yeah, it went into Ruth Carter. Um, who is now the only is the only black woman with two Oscars, which is kind of sad if you think about it. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, Black Panther, I guess, pulled it out here. So Marvel's able to take at least one home for the uh, for the night. Uh, moving on to makeup and hair, we have the whale, um, which you know. Uh, Gold Derby had as Elvis, um, you know, what, but but I personally and the and, and Deathies also went with the whale. So thirty seven people did think it would be Elvis, but not but not too far behind. We have twenty five people think it would be the whale. Five for Black Panther, three for All Quiet, two for Batman. Um, that said, twenty seven people wanted it to go to the whale, and eleven each for All Quiet, Black, Black Panther, and Batman. Nine for Elvis. So very mixed category. Um, I think a lot of people to maybe take issue with the uh, you know it's it's another fat suit situation, which you know I I looked into a little bit actually, and it's actually pretty interesting 
interesting how they did it. Most fat, most you know, fat suits when people construct them are you take a you know a res a cast a clay cast of the individual you're you're making a uh, a fat suit of um, out of clay, right? And then you make the mold, you fill it, and you create the fat suit that way. Here they just actually did the 3D scan and the 3D print of the of the uh, fat suit, which has never been done before. So I think that's kind of why this one ended up getting the deserving the makeup and hair award, and in, in that it actually did innovate in some way on the on the technical elements of this one. So uh, well deserved, I think, for the whale. Um, and then we have score, which I think was another head scratcher. So 38 people thought it would go to Babylon. Um, you know, uh, 20, 20 for All Quiet, seven for every everything ever, two each for Banshees and the Fablements. You know, I predicted the, the I predicted and wanted to go to Babylon. The Death East thought it would go to Babylon. Um, Gold Derby though actually did have it for All Quiet, interestingly enough. Um, and it did go to All Quiet. Um, but yeah, not a lot of like like it was 41 people wanted to go to Babylon. Eight for All Quiet, seven everything everywhere, five each for Babel, Banshees and, and and Fablements. So yeah, I mean. This was, and you could definitely hear the bum, 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 you know, throughout the night as it kept winning up awards. Um, you know, it, it was it was getting to the point people were like, oh my gosh, this is actually going to maybe take away Best Picture. Though once it didn't win a, a adapted screenplay, I think, you know, that, that, that kind of put that to rest. Um, so yeah, so then moving on to sound, we already mentioned Top Gun ended up winning here. Um, 55 people voted for Top Gun uh, that they thought it would would, get, would win. Seven for All Quiet, four each for Avatar Elvis. Um, 30 wanted Top Gun, 12 wanted All Quiet, 10 wanted Batman, 9 Avatar, 4 Elvis. Um, you know, I predicted and wanted Top Gun, um, and I mean the Deathies and uh, Gold Derby both also said it would be Top Gun. So this one was in consensus. Um, we have song uh, RRR. Sixty people predicted it would go to RRR. Six for Black Panther. Four Everything Everywhere. Two for Top Gun. No one wanted Diane. No one predicted Diane Warren. Um, and then forty-one people uh, for wanted RRR to win. Thirteen wanted Everything Everywhere. Nine wanted Top Gun. Six wanted Black Panther. And again, zero wanted Diane Warren. Um, yeah, I mean this one was pretty straightforward. You know, super majority sixty plus. Um, you know. Uh, RRR predicted, um, I wanted, predicted, wanted it, Deathies predicted it, and Gold Derby predicted it. Similarly, V visual effects, um, 69 people predicted would go to Avatar, only two for Top Gun and one for Black Panther, actually. Um, 49 wanted Avatar, 7 wanted Top Gun, 5 wanted All Quiet, 4 wanted Batman, 3 wanted Black Panther. But again, this is one of the more locked categories that, you know, very clearly went to Avatar. So I predicted wanted it, Deathies, Gold Derby also did. And moving to the sorts real quickly, Bori, the mole, the fox, and the horse. I mean, 40 people wanted, uh, predicted that it would go to that one. You know, the next closest was uh, Ice Merchants at 14. That said, Ice Merchants was the most popular people did want to win at 30. Uh, Bori, the mole, the fox, and the horse, only four people wanted it to win, actually. The next, the next closest was uh, My Year of Dicks at 17, and uh, an ostrich told me the world is fake at 16. Um, yeah, I mean, I predicted Bori, the mole, the fox, and the horse, Ice Merchants, I wanted. Um, Deathies went to Ice Merchants, but Gold Derby obviously predicted that it would go to uh, Bori, the Mold of Fox and the Horse, which ended up being. Um, documentary sort. Um, Elephant Whispers, you know, 30 people predict predicted they would go to Elephant Whispers. The next closest was Strangers at the Gate with 24. Uh, seven eats for Martha and Hollout, and then four for our friend Jay Rosenblatt. Um, as far as people, what people wanted, 27 thought we would go to Hollout, wanted to, for Hollout, 18 wanted Elephant, 8 wanted Martha Mitchell, and seven each for Jay Rosenblatt and the Stranger at the Gate. Um, I predicted Elephant, oh, Elephant Whispers wanted Martha Mitchell, but for the Deathies, we went with Hollout, but Gold Derby went with Elephant, or Elephant whispers and then finally for live sort iris goodbye so um 45 people predicted iris goodbye 15 predicted pupil um nine for red suitcase three for night ride i personally thought it would go to let pupil because of the alexander quaron name behind it and disney pushing it but i guess iris goodbye kind of was able to make a late enough surge with the bafta win to uh, get there which you know i'm not upset about it like, like i mentioned when in my in the live episode sort it and the red suitcase were my favorites of the category uh, i personally wanted a red suitcase a little bit more i think but uh um the that the Deathies actually went with Red Suitcase, which Red Suitcase, which I was happy about. Um, we had 25 uh, in, the, in the poll. 25 people wanted Red, Red Suitcase. 22 wanted Iris Goodbye. 11 wanted Pupil. But yeah, Gold Derby also had Iris Goodbye. So I probably should have listened to that. So, you know, if you had gone with the community votes, you would have ended up uh, with 19 of 23 categories correct. Uh, you would have missed uh, supporting actress. Um, you know, uh, we would have gone, uh, you know, we uh, we had gone with Stephanie Sue, obviously, um, but, you know, it was it was uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, you know, you would have missed um, uh, production and costume. Um, 
production and score, which have gone to uh, Babylon, but we but we wanted to go to Babylon, but ended up going to um, to All Quiet, and then costume, um, you know, we wanted it to go to Elvis, um, but then uh, Elvis, oh, everything everywhere, um, I believe, yeah, and then. Ended up going to Black Panther. Um, so yeah, uh, you would have gotten 19 to 20, or sorry, no, not with Deathies, but with what people thought was going to win. Um, we thought it, we thought it was going to go to Elvis, but it went to Black Panther. So overall, you know, total wins for the night, uh, seven for everything everywhere, which was, you know, the correct answer for what is the most winning Oscar film. Um, four for All Quiet, uh, which is the actually, fun fact, the most Netflix wins on a single film, uh, despite all of their campaigning in the past couple of years. And then two for The Whale, everything else that won ended up getting only one. Um, and for Best Picture Films, uh, they went with Home with Zero. Uh, sadly, The Banshees, Elvis, Fableman's Tar and Triangle all went home, which I believe is the most uh, in Oscar history. They went 0 for 33 nominations. Which is kind of stunning, um, kind of sad actually. You know, again, I would have liked Elvis to maybe get at least one thing. Um, Fableman's not so much. Tar, really hard to figure out where it would have, where it should have gotten something. Maybe cinematography, right? I don't. I still think the Mistel Yeowen I, I I liked, um, but I definitely wanted Banshee to at least take, get get one thing home, be it supporting actress or uh, screenplay. But yeah, it wasn't meant to be, unfortunately. Which I think is a good thing about doing the Death Race, right? So you know, just just taking a step back, right? Obviously, if you go with you know, what do you watch? You know, if you tell someone after the Oscars, you know, what should you watch? Obviously, you tell them, oh, well, watch the winners, right? Well, you're going to get everything everywhere. You're going to get All Quiet. You're going to get The Whale, which are all great movies. But then, you know, you, you're you going to miss out on, on some films that didn't win anything. Maybe you go with, you know, oh, what are some of the best films, you know, what that I used to watch? Here are the top 10, you know, best picture nominees, which, you know, obviously gets a lot of the way. But then you then you miss out on some other stuff, right? You, like, you miss out on Babylon, for example, right, which I really personally loved um, and, you know, ended up not winning and not getting nominated for best picture, right? So, you know, I think... Again, that's one of the reasons I really like the 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 uh, um, the the Oscar the the Oscars death race. Um, as far as you know, we we actually as a community did better than Gold Derby. Gold Derby got eighteen of twenty three against our nineteen of twenty three. Um, we missed on act. Uh, Gold Derby missed on actor. You know, they thought it would go to Butler, um, supporting actress. They thought it would go to Condon, uh, costume and production, same as us. And then makeup and, and hairstyling. They thought it would go to Elvis. We thought it would go to um. Well, I said we we predicted it would go to the whale. So yeah, so that is the uh, results. Now let's go ahead and go with the contest winners, right? So um, you know, overall, drumroll please. The the the, uh, the again uh, with the scoring, we had twenty three categories, so one point each, except for best picture, where that's two points, so twenty four total. Add in the extra point for um, you know co- correctly predicting the correct number of wins, um, and the winner with twenty one points uh, is Alicia or Alexia thirteen on Reddit. Um, Alicia, the original screenplay presenter for the Deathiest Award, with twenty one total points. Um, congratulations, Alicia. Um, she missed only on best actress. Um, on production, on documentary sort, and on score. Um, he's actually tied with another user, um, uh, A Stone, on both Discord and Reddit. However, Alicia submitted second, actually, all the way back on February 28th, um, whereas Aaron submitted later um, in the race. Um, so, you know, a bit going by timestamp, Alicia actually ended up being the winner. Um, he did, Aaron did correctly go. Co- co- correctly guessed on all except for production, um, costume, makeup, and score. Um, you know, uh, moving moving down then with with a couple of other recognitions, um, we have uh, Ka- uh, we have Kazembe or KK Slider on Discord, uh, Kazembe twenty nine on Reddit, coming home with twenty uh, correct points. Um, also Ufrab or Brufa um, with twenty points as well, um, and then with nineteen points, you know, tying Gold Derby, getting you know the extra point for uh, best picture. Um, we have uh, Is Your Name Lithium on Reddit, Coffee uh, Coffee uh, Sir uh, Senior um, at uh, on Reddit, um, CK. K3 or the Aust- Austrian Alpaca on Discord. Uh, friend of the show, Jeff from Classic Movies Live, uh, getting uh, 19 as well. Same for Red Carpet Rosters or John, um, who's, who appeared in the most recent episode, um, as well as some guy named James who appeared in last year's uh, season as well, um, all getting 19 points. Um, and then, you know, a number of people, you know, getting uh, 18 points. Um, you know, shout out to Dakota from Convazoom Pod. Shout out to Kathy, uh, who won the uh, no- the nomination for the contest for getting 18 points. Um, myself, personally, I ended up with 16 points, um, which is just above the average of 15.98 uh, for uh, the total um, for for the entire contest. So um, yeah, uh, you know, pretty pretty solid all around. Um, 
you know, um, now, now some some fun stats. Um, you know, fifteen people um, out of the seventy one entries got all three swords correct. Um, eight people got all four actors correct. Uh, three people got all four All Quiet in the Western Front wins correct. Uh, Slight Astro, uh, Danny Kes, uh, uh, who's our producer extraordinaire, Danny Kelsey on Discord, Marshall seventeen on Discord, um, and then two people got uh, all of the above the line category correct. Um, the aforementioned Brufa and A Stone. Um, Brufa's actually only mistake actually would have gotten him to tie uh, with the others um, uh, would have been that he actually miscounted how many people he thought should win the most uh, Oscars uh, would, which film would win the most Oscars and, and by how many um, however behind them you know there were actually four people more people including uh, Bruver and Ace so six total who correctly predicted all of the everything everyone's all seven total um, KK Slider Coffee Sir Flying Octopus who's on Discord um, B Mac Murray on Discord and then Brandon29 on Reddit so yeah, congrats to uh, all of the all of the contestants. Congrats to uh, Alicia uh, for winning the contest this year. You know, we, um, you know, not we didn't we didn't quite get the twenty three points that we got last year, but um, still, you know, definitely a, a solid performance overall. Um, yeah, I'll be reaching out about the contest, and you know, I'll definitely be hosting both of these again next year. So, you know, just some thoughts uh, about the Oscars overall, the ceremony. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel was fine. You know, I thought his his skits were, were fine. Personally, I still think he used to have the Muppets host, but that's just me. Um, I really loved, actually, the set backgrounds in the background. You know, they have, you know, they had, like, the person on stage doing the editing or whatever during the editing. They had the mannequins for costume and so on. Um, they had the, the, the cameras um, on screen to kind of show cinematography. Um, you know, that was on stage, that was pretty cool as well. Um, you know, there were, you know, some grumblings about, you know, the Little Mermaid preview or whatever which you know whatever i mean i think if the game awards can get away with you know debuting trailers i think you know the game awards you know is not you know, going game awards a little bit isn't the worst thing um given how the game awards is actually relevant to a lot of people's lives uh, the performances were fine i mean obviously um Obviously, uh, um, uh, RRR was the best one, though. You know, I do know people in my circle who were somewhat upset that there weren't a lot of, or if any, South Asians uh, performing on stage. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, uh, Lady Gaga was pretty cool going kind of with the dress down look. Rihanna was great. The Everything Everywhere performance was not that great, and I kind of wasn't really paying attention during Diane Warren performance. So, yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, ratings were up 12% versus last year, which I think is a great win. You know, again, I think I've heard this guy, this, this is kind of like a, just a return to form for Oscar, you know, some kind of inoffensive, you know, banter, you know, films that people care about. Um, I, I will say again, I kind of wish that, you know, more films got awarded, but you can't really control that per se. Um, but yeah, um, let's see. Um, you know, uh, other things about the Oscars, you know, this actually, um, this actually, fun stats, uh, the BAFTAs went, uh, I believe, nothing above the line, correct? Um, first time since 1998, at least, that there are no actors crossing over between uh, the Oscars and the BAFTAs, which is kind of crazy. Um, this is also the streak of, breaks the streak of the uh, per, uh, People's Choice Award at uh, Toronto International Film Festival, winning an Oscar um, since at least 2012, when the was going home empty-handed. And then similarly, the Golden Globe drama winner, Fable uh, got zero, got nothing um, the first time since uh, 1978, which is another crazy stat. Um, yeah, and then the other award ceremony of the weekend was the Deathies. Um, so, you know, in addition to the... Um, to all of these categories, we have uh, the deathy specific categories. We have the food and drink brands. Uh, best food scene went to the captain's, din captain's dinner at Triangle of Sadness. Uh, the Kino brands awarded RRR as most Kino film of the year. The LGBTQ brands, brand new, uh, had Close um, as their film of the year. Um, the Biggest Cow, which I presented, was kind of the biggest conversation piece from the Creators Brands Award. Where you went with a uh, no, don't worry, darling, which was uh, definitely a choice. Um, you know, de definitely was a fun, fun one to put to, to put a, a skit around. Um, and then we had Best Animal uh, from the Animal Brands. Lovers Brands went to Jenny the Donkey. Um, and then the Secret Hawaiian Brands uh, gave an award for Best Scene Stealer to David Lynch in The Fablements. And then also a new award, the Cedrics, which are individual awards to community members uh, for services to death racing, named after art director Cedric Gibbons, who is credited with over 1,500 films as art director and designed the Oscar statue. Um, the awards went to Academy Anna, uh, B. McMurray, and Angry Hector. Uh, congratulations to you three for all of your, and thank you for all of your service to death racing. Uh, the community would not be the same without you. 
Um, so yeah, that was uh, the deathies. You know, I I hope you know I uploaded just uh, to my YouTube channel uh, a compilation of. Uh, it turns out I made tw- like twenty seven episodes, twenty seven minutes worth of skits uh, for the deathies. So apologies for making the presentation that much longer. Um, let's see. Thinking. Let's see. Uh, let's then also then you know and then again you know obviously I was really happy. Obviously, with everything everywhere, you know, I've, I've been talking about it for a long time, how much I love the film. Just some other fun stats. Um, you know, it's the third movie ever to have three acting awards. Um, the second in 45 years since Streetcar Named Desire uh, and The Network. Um, uh, no film yet has gotten all four uh, acting awards, so we'll see. Um, it's also the first film since The Fighter to win both supporting actor awards. First since Six Women Love to win both the Actress and Supporting Actress Award. Most Oscars for Best Picture since The Hurt Locker and the first Best Picture since Hurt Locker that get more than five. It's a 24 second best picture win and also they swept everything above the line except for adapted screenplay. Um, first South by Southwest premiere to win best picture. First Science Fiction depending on how you define Shape of Water um, to win best picture. And then Daniels walked away with three Oscars in one night which is the only, only Walt Disney has walked away with more though there are a, num- a number of people who tie them. So yeah, those are the Oscars uh, and the Deathies. Um, and then, you know, kind of, we also have the red carpet rosters results uh, for my Parasite League, which I hosted. Thanks again to John for, for putting putting that together. Um, our winner for our league ended up being Vicky Scrapes uh, with getting first place. At, um, they went 7-2 uh, and two overall in the re- regular season, um, but they got 30 points uh, on Oscar night with uh, one of the Daniels, uh, Daniel, um, uh, uh, Kei Kwan, Pinocchio, All Quiet on the Western Front score, Top Gun Maverick Sound. Um, meanwhile, Meanwhile, uh, uh, Cracking Dakota um, got second place with 22 points on Oscar night uh, with one of the Daniels, Jamie Lee Curtis, and All Quiet on the Western Front Cinematography going 8-1 in the regular season. Uh, Jeff uh, got uh, eight points uh, for third place, uh, 7-2 regular season. Uh, he had RRR and Avatar special effects. Um, Dakota, unfortunately, up against Jeff, did not get any points Oscar night, um, but he got uh, fourth for the season. Uh, Suzelle Bitches got 20 points Oscar night with uh, Everything Everywhere winning. All Quiet winning and an All Quiet production as well as the RRR song 7-2 uh, on the regular season uh, meanwhile I got 20 points also uh, with Brendan Fraser Micelio RRR and uh, Ruth E. Carter um, however I ended up getting 5th place uh, in the matchup because I beat them in the regular season matchup 6-3 um, and then for uh, uh, anonymity's sake uh, I will uh, not not mention the last uh, 4 people um, you know for, who, who did not get in, into the final bracket um, but you know still I enjoyed having you all in my bracket uh, in my league and you know I'll definitely be hosting one again next year you know keep an ear out for that so you can sign up uh, and with that, you know, speaking of, you know, we're officially heading into the off season, right? So what am I going to be doing in the off season? Well, first off, maybe take a little bit of movies, maybe. I mean, we do have some good stuff coming out this month. We have, uh, I believe this weekend, we have the Sazam movie. Next weekend, we have um, John Wick 4. And the week after that, the Dungeons & Dragons movie. Um, but, you know, I mean, so I'll still cover those for the Box Office Watch podcast, which you should definitely be listening to if you're not, if you miss my voice during the off season. Um, you know, I maybe, but as far as Oscar stuff goes, maybe I'll take a little bit of a break from that. Um Maybe, you know, right now it's March, maybe in April, maybe May, I might come back with a Best Picture Marathon episode um, to, you know, talk about, you know, uh, you know, I have an episode I recorded last season that I ended up never putting out. Um, so maybe I'll do that. And I might go back and rewatch uh, the original All Quiet on the Western Front um, to pair with this year's uh, uh, this year's winner. Um, you know, I have some films. Uh, I made some film bets over the course of the season that I lost out on, so I need to make good on those um, and watch those. Um, maybe I might do some, you know, watching of Michelle Yeoh's cinematography or um, Kehoe Kwan's cinematography or maybe Jamie Lee Curtis or, 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 or Brendan Fraser. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I and, and I have other podcasts. You know, I, have to, I haven't watched any animated seasons. I'm maybe going to try to catch up on that. But yeah, I mean, keep locked on this uh, podcast feed. You know, we're going to have the, um, you know, have, have Best Picture Marathon in maybe about a month or so, maybe a little bit more um, coming back with that. And then, you know, around, I would say September or so, you know, we'll start recapping all of the uh, film festivals as they come up um, to get a sense of, you know, what we'll keep what to keep an eye out for for the uh, for the upcoming Oscar Awards season. And then you know, we'll be back in December uh, with a regularly scheduled season, season five. But 
until then, you know, that's the, that's that's a wrap on the season. Um, and that's a wrap on this season of the Oscars Death Race podcast. So let me know how your Oscars Death Race went. You know, do you have any cool stories of things of how of reach of, of things you did to try to get catch the race? Uh, what do you think of this year's races? You know, what was your favorite film? What was your least favorite film? What was a film that you enjoyed watching uh, that you wouldn't have, have otherwise? Let me know on Twitter at Oscars D Racecast or email Oscars Death Race Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the show on, on your podcast service of choice, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, leaves of you there, uh, especially now at the end of the season, or just say with a friend who loves movies and if that's super helpful. Uh, those will be looking at the show notes alongside my letterbox account. You can watch what I'm watching throughout the year. Um, username Ninja Boy Boy than I. Um, you know, you can check out the Oscar race, Oscars Death Race subreddits. Those, those will probably be a little bit quiet for the next couple of months. But in the meantime, you can also check out the Academy of Death Racers Discord. You know, we we may be in the off season, but you know, we're still hard at work, you know, throughout just you know, just chatting, having fun. There's a real good community over there just year-round. Um Check the Oscars Death Race Discord, Academy of Death Race Discord, as well as you know OscarsDeathRace.com whenever that gets updated. Um, music in this episode is by Kevin MacLeod, his software company for music.io. Editing production by Ninsboy Media. That's it for this season. This has been Paulo of the Oscars Death Race podcast. And until next season, um, well, we completed all the Oscar nominees. We didn't try, but that doesn't mean next year we won't, we won't be trying again. So catch you guys next year. Mm-hmm.